Hi, I'm Jake Parker, and this is my podcast, Beyond Fit. My goal is to help you live a happier and healthier life by providing actionable knowledge and advice about a wide range of health and fitness topics. You can find me most active on Instagram at jakeparker.fit if you want to connect or just see what I'm up to. Hi, guys. This podcast is called 15 foods I eat every week. So recently, I've been sort of reflecting on my diet, why I eat certain things, certain foods that I constantly allow in my diet week to week, and why that is. I first and foremost just want to say that diet starts and stops with calorie balance. That is, if you want to lose weight, you have to eat less calories than you burn. And if you want to gain weight, and subsequently gain muscle, if that's your goal, you have to eat more calories than you burn. And there is extraneous circumstances for people that are new to weight training or are really out of shape or different things of that nature where you can have a recomposition take place that is essentially losing fat and gaining muscle at the same time, but that's not the norm. And generally, we have to follow one of these two routes to get to where our goals are to either gain muscle or lose fat. One of the things that I wish I would have realized a really long time ago and that was the biggest detriment to me for the longest time was not understanding the role that calories play in your diet, in your physique, in your performance. I think that in a society where so many things that were pitched and so much of the common rhetoric centers around diets and you have to eat a certain way and a certain diet does something for you where it really drives away from the point that calories in versus calories out are the end of the story. Whether it be the keto diet, the paleo diet, fasting, any sort of diet that you've heard of, been on, know people that have tried, they all come from the place of driving calories, usually lower to be in a calorie deficit because most people want to lose weight, lose fat. And there's a lot of ways to get there. I just wish that I myself would have realized the role that calories played in controlling body composition, especially as someone interested in physique development and weightlifting. I wish I would have realized the importance of something I do now, which is stay in a calorie surplus or maintenance three-fourths of the year and a deficit for only one-fourth of the year because your body really needs to be at that maintenance or surplus level to thrive, to really get better aesthetically, building muscle performance-wise. Obviously, sometimes we want to cut, get lean, you know, show off some of the muscle we've built and be in that calorie deficit or someone that is just starting on this journey and wants to initially lose some fat, wants to emphasize that calorie deficit. And that's what most people, uh, the average person walking down the street needs to emphasize but eventually, you will want to think about the benefits and the uses of being at maintenance or a surplus. And this is something that I've talked about before, and you can find a lot more information on online. Someone whose work I read a lot is Mike Matthews and continue to read a lot. He was one of my and is one of my biggest fitness inspirations. So people that are not harping on at least to some point, the benefit of calories in versus calories out are probably trying to sell you something that's not necessarily 
what you need or what's going to help you the most. Any diet should be looked at in that light using that principle. And so the caveat to all the things that I'm going to say are that that is first and foremost the focus. But the nice thing is once you focus on that calorie aspect for long enough, for example, I really closely tracked calories, counting them in like a MyFitnessPal tracker for a couple of years, it becomes a lot more intuitive. And if you want to stay in a calorie surplus for a number of months or a deficit for a number of months in order to lose fat or gain muscle, uh, that's also definitely what I recommend is to be in one of those phases for a long enough period to have the effects that you want to go after really take hold and take effect. But that sort of thing becomes a lot more intuitive where you can eat about what you burn, you can eat less, you can eat more. And doing that becomes easier and more intuitive the longer you do it. But also, as I'll discuss here, when you eat similar foods and don't vary your diet too much, that becomes a lot easier. So the way that I'm going to go through foods here is going to be the first section is going to be carbs that I eat. And so carbs, um, you don't necessarily need carbs. Carbs are actually the only nutrient out of carbs, fats, and proteins that is not a necessary nutrient. That being said, they are the biggest driver of workout performance. And I would definitely recommend anyone to have at least a moderate carb diet where you eat probably, say, at close to a gram of carb per pound of body weight, and usually more than that if your goal is to be muscular, be athletic, perform well in cardio or weight training or whatever it is, even a sport, anything that you do. Carbs feed our glycogen stores, and that is the main driver of workout performance, of exercise performance, of sports performance, whatever you want to look to. And so it's very key that you get these carbs if that's your goal. Some people will be able to focus on deriving their fuel from fats. And essentially that's the basis of the ketogenic diet. Not something that I definitely recommend for most people or really know too much about, but I would always gear towards including at least some carbs in the diet because of that reason, the performance, the exercise, and also carbs just taste good. Like you want to be able to have those carbs in your meals, be able to have a well-balanced meal. It's tasty and carbs also provide some nutrients that you're not going to get easily otherwise. So that is going to be the first section. Then there's going to be fats in which I mostly prioritize monounsaturated or polyunsaturated fats. Although I really am not too crazy about limiting the saturated fats. I think that saturated fats have somewhat unfairly been criticized. And as long as you don't go too crazy with those, those are something I allow myself in the form of meat. A lot of times beef is high in saturated fat or other meats. Sometimes things like butter, full fat dairy, I don't have a problem with uh, as I will discuss. And then the last thing, one of the most important or possibly the most important in my opinion is protein because that's going to be the basis of muscle building and muscle building or muscle retention is going to be highly in focus for anyone that wants to optimize their body composition, their strength, their day-to-day -day wellness and functionality. And in addition, protein is going to help us with that feeling of fullness and what we call satiety. 
So protein is one of the key, I guess, out of the three, probably the key, the biggest key nutrient in my opinion. One thing I didn't mention here was the protein powder aspect of my diet. A lot of times I'm not sure whether to call protein a supplement or just like a food that's part of my diet. I tend to think of it more as a food, but for the purposes here, I didn't include it. But definitely every day, I'll usually be having some sort of protein powder or protein bar, just because if you want to get your protein to about the level of close to a pound, sorry, close to a gram per pound of lean body mass, or close to a gram per pound that you weigh, if you want to make it a little bit easier, and even as low as 0.6 to 0.7 grams per pound of body weight is going to do just fine and is going to be a lot more than most people are probably consuming now. But essentially, you want to get that high protein intake. You want to be taking in protein two to three times a day at least to get there. And so most people are going to have trouble getting that just from typical food that you're going to buy in the grocery store. And that's where a powder or shake bar makes sense. Not even necessarily around your workout. I think that's another misconception that these bars or you know protein supplements, shakes, whatever they are, need to be taken around your workout. Not necessarily true. I think that they can be a good replacement for breakfast, addition to breakfast, snack between meals, end of the night sort of thing. However you want to include it, it's really just about getting your protein overall up for the day, as is going to be the theme here. It's about the food intake throughout the day, throughout the week. It's not about the timing. That's not something I prioritize. It's definitely something I prioritized in the past and wrongly, definitely to my detriment, thinking that nutrient timing or meal timing or protein timing was super important. It's really not. It's a minutia. It's a last 5% sort of thing you want to worry about. So really just thinking about the quality of food you're getting day in and day out as a whole is going to be the most important thing. I do not follow any specific diet. And like I mentioned, I don't even track calories as close as I used to because it's become so much more intuitive for me. I used to be a big fan of the if it fits your macros diet. And I think that that diet has a lot of relevance for people. And it can be a good thing to follow for a short period of time to track your macros because you realize what certain foods have as far as proteins, fats and carbs and how that works out calorie wise, what you have to do meal and food wise to get a high protein intake. But overall, I think you want to try to work your way into a diet and just saying that as diet in a whole, what you eat on a day-to-day -day basis, where it's not too challenging. It's not something you have to track too closely. There's nothing that you have to follow really rigidly. And it takes a lot of practice, but you can get there. And as someone who went from really struggling and not knowing what foods to eat, being crazy about, oh, this food's going to make me fat, this food's bad, to the if it fits your macros, oh, no food is unhealthy, which I do still believe to some extent, although I'll discuss a couple foods that I'll definitely disclude uh, from my diet, but mostly don't like to use the word unhealthy, rather just calorie dense foods and non-calorie dense foods or nutrient rich versus non-nutrient rich foods. But essentially the if it fits your macros can be a detriment to where you're not getting enough of the micronutrients, which are definitely emphasized in my diet. And so, like I said, my, my diet's pretty balanced, um, essentially like to go about a third of every nutrient and every meal as close as I can and not getting too caught up in that. Again, that sort of stuff is minutia, but you want to get some protein, carbs, and fats in every meal when you can. 
I like to eat two to three meals a day, just big meals, get all my calories there and try as much as I can not to snack, not to graze as one might call it while we're just eating bites and snacks and bits of food throughout the day because that's where it really adds up and that's what really makes it hard to reach your goals and be sure of how much food you're eating. So that is something I definitely don't recommend. And what I do recommend is just trying to get those three square meals a day. And it's going to be, I think you're going to be surprised how much that helps your hunger, your cravings, your mental clarity, your energy levels, just getting those three sustained periods of steady nutrients, nutrient feedings in throughout the day. And so into the foods I want to discuss, the 15 foods that I eat every week. There are eight that I essentially would just classify as carbs, and these are also going to include my fruits and vegetables, which are not, vegetables especially, not super carb heavy, and one of those foods where you don't really have to track too closely because they're so low in calorie that they're going to fill you up before they become an issue of eating too many calories. But fruits and vegetables are included in the carb category. So I have oats every week. This is something I commonly have for breakfast and something that commonly I will have my protein powder with. So like I mentioned, protein powder does not always mean necessarily consuming the protein powder before or after a workout. And a lot of times it can just mean having it for breakfast as a snack you know, I'll just have protein powder with oatmeal, maybe as a lunch, like it doesn't really matter to me. Like I said, getting those two or three feedings in a day, if I feel like I don't want to make meat or I only, you know, meat's expensive. I don't want to eat meat three times a day, or I just want something a little sweet with the protein powder. I'll have protein and oatmeal multiple times a week. That's one of my most common meals. And oatmeal, in addition to being fibrous, and filling is also rich in iron and zinc, a couple key nutrients. And what's interesting to me about oatmeal is that it really is one of those foods where, yeah, it is filling and it can be very satiating to you in a period of dieting or trying to eat less calories. But similarly, it can be a food that if you make it right. And if you really want it to be, it's a food you can consume quite a big amount of and not have it feel overbearing when you want to eat a lot of calories. My opinion is that you want to eat more nutrient dense and quote unquote healthy sort of foods when you're trying to bulk and trying to eat in a calorie surplus, even though it isn't going to make a whole lot of difference body composition or aesthetic wise what you're eating to get into that calorie surplus. I think that eating nutrient rich and healthy, again, one of those sort of trigger words that I would put quotes around, but eating that sort of stuff, even when you're trying to eat heavily, trying to eat in a calorie surplus is still going to be important in my opinion. It's something you always want to emphasize in terms of micronutrients and just in terms of habituating that the other carb sources that are like big main ones that I include with meals. So like say with beef, with chicken, uh, the two meats I consume the most, those are going to be rice, which is 
always, well, not always, most of the time going to be white rice, which to be clear, really doesn't have a ton of micronutrient value at all, but it's a good filler. It digests easily for me. And it's something that's super easy to make and that will add those carb calories that I need to fill up my glycogen stores for exercise. So that's always something that's easy to go with. Rice does have some B vitamins, but B vitamins are really a lot more dense and found more readily in more whole grains like quinoa and other grains along those lines. So one of my goals for the next couple of months is to try to replace my rice with those more whole grain nutrient dense sort of foods. And I believe that in this document I'm looking at right now, I wrote down some other ones. So farro, barley, spelt, buckwheat, those are some other ones where they have a really high vitamin B uh, intake as opposed to just white rice. And vitamin B is something that's not found in a lot of, a lot of other nutrients, sorry, in a lot of other foods. And so that's a key nutrient to get there. And another reason why carbs are unique and are special, and I don't think you should avoid them by any means. Sweet potatoes are very, very nutrient rich. They have a lot of micronutrients, vitamins and minerals. It's something that I eat a lot. They're a little bit more expensive, even though carbs as a whole really aren't that expensive compared to proteins and fats. Um, these are a little bit more expensive, but they're really tasty. To me, I think that sweet potatoes really are delicious. They can be topped with butter sometimes. I mentioned that I'll eat that. Almond butter or peanut butter, if you really want like a sweet, almost dessert sort of flavor. Or you can always just do salt and pepper, you know, put a couple different spices on it, whatever you're feeling. I'll put cottage cheese on a potato, which actually tastes pretty good. And um, I, I will eat regular potatoes every once in a while. I like to try to go with sweet potatoes because they're a little bit more nutrient rich, but both of them essentially can sort of serve the same purpose. And you're kind of, again, it's sort of the minutia to really emphasize the sweet potato having all the micronutrients you want to go after. Really, either one's going to be a good choice just because potatoes are going to be especially filling. So for that reason, maybe something you more emphasize over rice or another carb when trying to diet, when trying to eat in a calorie deficit. A few more carb sources that are common for me. I like to eat beans. Beans are very voluminous and rich in fiber. So they're really filling for when you're especially hungry or again, trying to reach that calorie deficit more easy. They have a lot of iron. They have folate. I tried a couple times to make beans, just getting them from the bag and cooking them like on the stove top. This turned out to be something that was too labor intensive. And it was kind of silly because it made me realize like the idea was to save time and it's, it's easier. They're a lot, well, sorry, not save time necessarily, but save money because the canned beans are more expensive than the beans that come in a bag that you make yourself. But I realized that really I'm giving that cost back very quickly and very easily in the sense that the beans that you buy unprepared in a bag are just way more intensive to make. And so I go with canned beans now always. They're really pretty good. You can put them with different combinations of meat and rice or vegetables or eggs. Um, they're good in a lot of ways. They're nice and salty. Something I mentioned before, not one to worry about salt for a multitude of reasons that I won't go into. The 
last grain sort of thing that I'll mention here is I do eat a fair amount of bread. I know that bread doesn't offer a lot in the sense of nutrition, micronutrients, but again, it's just a way to get my carbs up, be able to round out my meals. And I also just enjoy bread and I don't think that it needs to be demonized by any means. It is always better to go with something that's more natural, more whole sourced and whole grain. But I don't think that we need to demonize bread as has been done so much recently. It's something that I find fits into my diet just fine. I don't eat as much of it as I do other carbs, but it definitely finds its way in there. And it's something that I buy quite frequently. The last two, as I spoke on before, are fruits and vegetables, which I just included in a couple broad categories. But with vegetables, I always tend towards leafy greens, especially spinach, Brussels sprouts, and broccoli. I eat these vegetables because they're especially rich in antioxidants. They're especially rich in magnesium, in vitamin K, which are both important. And in addition, something that probably doesn't get talked about as much is sulforaphane, which is linked to improved heart health and digestion, possibly guards against cancer, and is also just a very rich antioxidant and something that, again, is in leafy green vegetables. Last note here on vegetables, I think that it's very important to be careful with what you add to vegetables. I'm going to go over olive oil here and olive oil is something that I consider to be a good food for my diet, a good food to include, but you want to be careful not to douse your vegetables in any oil or butter or something like ranch to enhance the flavor. A little bit of this is okay, but you don't want to go overboard with it because really one of the big benefits of vegetables is that they're so voluminous. They're low calorie that they can fill you up and you're not going to go overboard on calories. But when you add a bunch of fat through ranch dressing, again, blue cheese, stuff like butter and oils, it kind of defeats the purpose. So be careful with that would be my warning. And then on the fruit side, I really like berries are one of my favorite because they're about the most nutrient dense fruit. They have tons of antioxidants. I eat a lot of bananas just because they're really convenient. I obviously enjoy the fact that they're so cheap. They're so easy to consume. And what I do with bananas is when they start to go old, which we all know happens way too fast, is I'll make banana pancakes, which I'll post quite a bit on my Instagram story. And those are really simple. They're just one banana to every two eggs. Mix that together with about a teaspoon of baking soda and salt. And you have an easy banana pancake recipe. You can add some protein powder, you can add honey on top, you can add berries, whatever you want. Uh, it's really easy. I've, I've added Greek yogurt. There's tons of ways that you can kind of vary it up, but those are something really delicious that I enjoy eating a lot and a way to not ever get upset when your bananas go bad. I actually kind of get excited when my bananas go bad at this point. Variety is something that's really important and something that for me is most evident in eating fruits and vegetables. I try to always pick up something new from the store. Sometimes I like to get oranges, apples, other fruits I'll eat often, grapes. As far as vegetables go, I like to eat mushrooms, peppers, 
sometimes carrots. I think that it's important to try to mix it up and get vegetables or fruits, especially that you don't eat that often to get that micronutrient variance and really just keep it interesting in your diet. As far as a guideline, I like to try to eat two to seven servings of fruits and vegetables a day. And when I don't do that, that's when a greens supplement comes into play. And a green supplement is never going to be able to provide as much as fruits and vegetables can for you in the way of nutrition and benefit. But if there's a day when you're on vacation, when you're just really running short on time, or you forget to plan in fruits and vegetables, which happens, this is a good option that I really like. The last carb source here before we move on to protein is honey. I have a lot of honey. I mentioned, I think, honey on banana pancakes. I'll sweeten my oatmeal with honey, do different stuff like that. I don't think there's anything necessarily special about honey, but I like the fact that it's a more natural way to sweeten food. And so that's why I do a lot of honey. Protein sources are beef or chicken are the two main meat sources. Beef takes the form of either ground beef or I'll have some steak, usually have steak once a week. It's again, more expensive. So not something I'm eating every day, but something I really enjoy. I don't like to get too wrapped up in the meat dogma by any stretch of the imagination. I'm a big fan of meat providing the micronutrients that are hard to get elsewhere like zinc and iron and just the satiety that meat provides, especially in a period of, again, of calorie restriction. Beef and chicken are both delicious. You can do a lot of different things with them and they're often going to be the main staple in at least one, maybe two of my meals a day. Uh, the other protein sources I want to mention here, I'll every week have some milk or some yogurt. Sometimes it switches. I don't always get milk or yogurt from the store, but I'll usually get at least one or the other. Um, I'm not eating a ton of dairy, but dairy definitely offers a benefit of vitamin D. Yogurt has probiotics, and I also just really enjoy the taste of milk. I like having it with breakfast. Something that is of note is that milk is a really good way to add some calories if you're someone who finds it's really hard to eat at your caloric maintenance because you exercise a lot or it's hard to put on muscle because you can't quite eat enough calories. Adding a glass of milk or two a day is a really easy way to get there. The last two protein sources are really about half fat, half protein, and they both have a ton of nutrients. They have more nutrients than just about anything else that's not a fruit and vegetable that I've mentioned thus far. And those are salmon and eggs. Salmon is one of the few good natural sources of vitamin D and it has a lot of magnesium as well as most importantly some omega-3 fatty acids which are hard to get unless you supplement or eat quite a bit of fish. Omega-3 fatty acids essentially are the counterpart to omega-6 fatty acids which we already get a ton of in the diet and research shows that you want to try to balance out the omega-3s to omega-6s. So an easy way to do that is I will supplement as well as eating salmon once or twice a week and supplement with fish oil pills, that is. And because I just really know from the things I've read and the influences that I've heard from, it's really important to get that omega-3 count up because omega-6s are so prevalent in all the other foods that we eat that it's easy to get those ratios out of whack. And I think that last I read or last I checked up, 
a lot of times it's not agreed upon whether you just need to limit your omega-6s or balance them out with your omega-3s. So I would kind of try to put a focus on both of those and really to make it more pragmatic, just try and eat fish at least once a week in addition to supplementation. But if you can't, supplementation is always a good route. This is somewhere where I would especially recommend it, just getting a couple of omega-3 pills in a day. I try to, with protein, get 150 grams a day. That is close to 0.7 grams per pound of body weight. And this is hopefully on a low day. I really make an effort to try to get my body weight in protein again. And But for the average person, getting close to the 0.6 or 0.7 range is going to be more than enough. It's going to be probably a big increase to what you're doing now. So that's what I focus first and foremost on. I mentioned a gram of protein per lean body mass. Your lean body mass is probably, if you're in decent shape, often going to fall between that like 0.6 to 0.7 grams per pound of body weight. But um, there's different metrics, different calculators online if you really want to calculate your lean body mass. And if you're interested in learning more about that, um, a quick Google search will probably do you a lot of good. Last thing we're going to end on here, like I said, fats. I eat olive oil, has a lot of healthy monounsaturated fat, as well as antioxidants. Something I do with olive oil is I will use it with a lot of vegetables and sometimes with chicken or a less fatty cut of meat. The more fatty the cut of meat, the less you need something like olive oil or another oil because the fat is going to be provided naturally. I will use an olive oil spray if I am not going to be tracking my olive oil or planning it as part of my intake for the day. I'll use one layer, one base layer of spray, which is going to provide some calories, but to me it's small enough amount to be negligible. If I'm going to dump some olive oil into a recipe, into vegetables, chicken, whatever it is, I will factor that in if I'm tracking calories, track it. Or again, as it's become more intuitive, um, just let it be something that I'm mindful of. The two, or rather just the one other source of fat is nuts, which provide vitamin E. They also provide fiber, monounsaturated fat, and they're a good source of magnesium. What I'll do with nuts, as you maybe have also seen on my Instagram before, is that I'll blend them up in my blender which takes a while, but eventually there'll be a nice consistency to be like nut butter, essentially like peanut butter. But the benefit is there, it's obviously cheaper to do it yourself and you can get a more wide variety of nuts than just having just peanuts and peanut butter, just almonds and almond butter. So, and it's also really tasty. That's something that I'll do every few weeks or so once my supply runs out and I'll add nut butter to toast, to oatmeal, Again, like I mentioned, it's something you can put on top of sweet potatoes. There's quite a bit of different uses for it. Um, the caveat to the fat emphasis or you know, saying what sorts of fats I eat is that I think that fat is the nutrient that's obviously most easily, most likely to be overeaten because there's nine calories per gram of fat as opposed to just four in carbs and proteins. And so... Essentially, what that means is it's way easier to overconsume calories and fat. So you really have to be careful. I think that the good fats nomenclature in diet culture in just 
I don't know, day-to-day life in general is sort of harmful because it may lead people to think, oh, you know, I can eat as much fat as I want. It's good fat. It's healthy fat. Yeah, good and healthy fat can be important. And I'm going to talk about something I don't include here. And it is kind of the opposite of the healthy fats. So yeah, that is important. But what's more important is, again, caloric balance, like I said at the beginning, being the king, being the end-all, be-all. So try not to go too far over on your calories by eating these quote-unquote healthy fats because they can become unhealthy fast if they're really eaten in large excess as, as anything can. Okay, that was 14 foods if you were counting along. The 15th I wanted to include was not necessarily even one food, but I just wanted to include every week for a treat for myself, I usually either drink IPAs, beer, or I'll have some form of dessert. So like these are my two favorite treats. I think it's important to have some sort of a treat in your diet, something that you enjoy and be sure to include that. Be sure that it doesn't make you overreach again calorically, but be able to fit it in. I've often talked about like the 80-20 principle of dieting where 80% of the foods you eat are whole nutrient-rich foods and 20% are kind of whatever you want. I probably lean more towards like the 90-10 but definitely every week I'm going to include a little bit of dessert if I want it or a few beers with friends if I want it or, you know, just a beer hanging out at home. Um, one caveat, I talked recently about the fact that I don't ever keep desserts at home because I feel like they're always going to come in like a big package or whatever and I'm just going to be tempted to overeat them. So I will have to go out to get my dessert, such as like going to get ice cream or cookies or cupcake, whatever it is. So that's one thing that kind of helps me to restrain. But I think it's important, again, to have some sort of a treat, something you enjoy in your diet. And it definitely isn't mutually exclusive. You don't have to completely cut out or limit anything that you enjoy to be ripped, to be healthy, to be strong and fit. I am all these things, and I, and I eat a dessert every now and then or a beer, and these are things that happen every week. So don't get too crazy worried about that sort of stuff like I definitely used to. Um, as far as, again, the nutrient partitioning, the meal timing I wanted to harp on, your body knows what to do with the food. Don't get too caught up in, oh, I need to eat now. I need to, you know, a myth that's prevalent is like, I need to eat every few hours to stoke my metabolism or to prevent my muscles from going catabolic. This is largely just bullshit that you're being fed to ascribe to a certain diet or supplement regimen. Don't worry about this. I promise it's not as big of a deal as it's made out to be. The one thing I would say is that when you can, you want to try to eat before or after your workout. I've talked about the Perry workout window before, which is essentially you want to eat five hours within five hours before or after your workout. This is sort of related to like the anabolic window, which is again, sort of a myth. Your body will really soak up and make the most out of nutrients you get within five hours before or after your workout. So really that's a huge window. How often are you not going to have a meal? That's just sort of something you do no matter what. So again, not something you need to worry too much about. Two things I do not include in my weekly diet. Cheese. I don't like cheese because it's so calorie dense. I do like it. I like the taste, um, obviously, as most people do. But cheese is so calorie dense that it's something I keep out just because it's hard to limit. And I will eat cheese if I go to a restaurant. Again, I don't worry about treating myself. But I find that it's fine for me just to not include it in my day-to-day and my week-in, week-out diet. And then vegetable oils. I mentioned the healthy fats. 
Vegetable oils are kind of the epitome of the unhealthy fats, but they're really, really high in omega-6s. So this is something I also try to disclude from my diet. Vegetable oils are really to be avoided whenever possible. Um, I don't additionally include anything that I don't like. This is another maybe seemingly obvious point, but you don't have to eat any certain food to be fit. I mentioned 15 foods here. You don't have to eat any one of these foods if you don't like it, if it doesn't fit your lifestyle, if you don't know how to prepare it. Um, you can be fit and strong and healthy. And you, again, going back to the beginning, I'll start, excuse me, I'll end where we started. You want to focus on calorie balance first and foremost. And however you get there is going to be the most important. But eating whole nutrient-dense foods that are going to emphasize certain micronutrients is going to be a way to, if you start there, it's going to get you to a calorie balance easier. And if you are ready to dial in and focus more on food quality in addition to quantity, that's something that's going to benefit you in every way. You're going to think clearer. You're going to feel better. You're going to have better digestion, hormones, all that good stuff falls in line with your diet. So I hope that you guys found this useful. Let me know if you have any questions or clarifications or you want to bounce anything off me. Hey guys, it's Jake again. I'd like to ask you if you enjoy the podcast to take a quick second and subscribe and rate the podcast. It really helps me out. And in addition, it'd be great if you would screenshot and share to your story. I'd love to reshare and have a conversation about what you thought about the podcast.